Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello there everyone, welcome back to another edition of East Meets West at Suplex Retweet. I'm here as usual, joined by my co-pilot, my Chris Charlton, to the Kevin Kelly. I'm joined by Scott McLeod. Hey Scott. Thank you, yes, much like Chris Charlton, I am full with, I am full of like useless information, what some people would say useless information about wrestling, but it's useful for shows like this. Fortunately, I can't understand Japanese in the way that Chris Charlton can, that's something I'm envious of. That would be a really handy talent. It means we could we could probably do things even faster rather than waiting for the delayed commentary. But that's something we'll talk about later when we get to a certain big event coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we go into things, just the usual housekeeping. Get us on all of our socials at Suplex Retweet on Twitter, Instagram. Get us on Facebook. We're heavy into the new draft season's begun. The biggest season yet. Yours truly has returned. Scott's mm-hmm. back in the, the hosting capacity with the GOAT. And those other gimps that run it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is an absolutely, we are stacked with content. We've got a lot more coming up. Um, we've got a Bullet Club show coming up at the end of September. And uh, Scott, you need to remind me what is the current show that's about to come out next because I keep forgetting these things. <laughs> uh, this past week, you'll have heard me and those two aforementioned gimps uh, on a backlash 2016 look back, looking back five years on from a, the first SmackDown pay review of the more recent brand split era and next week you look, I believe next week you can look forward to a show hosted by the wonderful Chris Money on the best WWE United States champions so there you go the content keeps coming and we have got so much planned for the rest of the year but we are here to talk about the goings on of New Japan the last we left it we were waiting for resurgence to happen resurgences came it has gone Scott what a bloody show it was <laughs> It was indeed. Uh, I couldn't avoid all spoilers for Resurgence because unfortunately I was on holiday when it happened. I was in Pit Lockery for a few days and so as I came back and I had to watch and then I had to watch SummerSlam so it wasn't until after SummerSlam weekend I was able to get round to watching Resurgence so I saw a few things like a certain return and everything but there were a few pleasant surprises thankfully and yeah it's it just shows like you know as if we didn't honor it, know already how strong a show, much stronger a show can be with crowds so this is what New Japan Strong is going to be like going forward with uh, fans at the tape and some love for it Yeah, that's, uh, this was a this was a fantastic return to, to things and it's to me it's made me really kind of it's had an impact on my viewing of the Japan shows now that I've had fans back in America and how rowdy and ruckus it's became again mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of that does have to go with the fact that Japanese fans still are prohibited from making noise unless they you know do so accidentally when they when they're shot but uh, if that is you know there is a difference also there's a much 
there's a difference in capacity. You can clearly tell with the American shows, whereas you saw from, the, from Wrestle Grand Slam, there's still a, a cap on how many people can you know, gather in certain large venues. Yeah, it's been a, been a heck of a thing. And, you know, I figured we'd start off with Resurgence. Uh, a lot of good matches on it. I wanted to focus on the big ones. And the first thing I thought I wanted to bring up was Hikuleo and Juice Robinson, uh, a match that kind of like had a little bit of build up before it. And to me, I, I enjoyed it. It didn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, this is one of the matches I didn't know was happening because I thought I got the full kind of run down the card. Uh, it's kind of sad that, you know, uh, Tom Waller, the strong champion, was kind of put into a, a 10-man tag match, a, a solid 10-man tag regardless, and it kind of seems to be setting up him versus Leo Rush in the future. But, you know, I would rather have had him, you know, defending his title on the show. But, yeah, when you get into the single matches, this is one where I didn't even know about it till the, till the intro package where it was running down the matches of the show. As a Tiggle versus Juice Robinson, like, huh, okay. You know, didn't expect it, but I'll take it. And, yeah, I think he would, yeah, just got the win there, which, you know, makes sense, but he's, uh, it doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon. And I think it's good that Hickleo has a, these first few feuds with the guys like he had the thing with Fred Rosser before, a veteran at this stage, and Juice Robinson, an experienced wrestler in New Japan, so he's getting to feud with people who are above him. I think that'll overall make Hickleo but more well-rounded. That's it. It's going to be interesting to see because he's pretty much like the first young lion to come off excursion uh, from that kind of group that went away pre-pandemic and obviously his excursion was heavily hit by the pandemic. So it's going to be a bit of, I think, of a different journey for him compared to the likes of like when Jay White came back, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit young lions, I believe. Uh, uh, Yuramura is now part of the LA Jojo. He was over a part of the show. Yeah, that's that is it. Y- Yuamura has um, followed in followed in the lines of previous lines. He's joined the LA Dojo, so he is going to be getting battered by Shibata for probably the next two years. Yeah, I think it's a good idea for them to kind of exchange, you know, young lines in the Dojo. Because remember, Gabriel Hill was originally an LA Dojo uh, student, but then he went over to Japan during the pandemic. And he got a chance to be in New Japan Cup in 2020. So it's good for. You know, because I'm sure there'll be different ways of teaching them with different instructors in both dojos. So I think it's better for the young lions to experience both sides. Yeah, I think it's important. It's, it's nice to see like they're kind of going, Yuamura is going to have that kind of traditional young lion approach by going under Shibata, whereas Yota, Yota Suji, but he needs a certain song according to the chant that's been heard down at Rev Pro. Is that is where Suji has went? <laughs> yeah. This, this was a chant. This was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone to the UK like I believe Hikuleo before him and Shooter uh, Gabriel Khan had a strong run in Rev Pro so you know he's he's got a good you know he'll get some good experience in Rev Pro and maybe if he goes further afield in the UK when shows start to become more regular that's my hope that he might make a little journey to his north of the border um, Shota's still to do it and he is still in Rev Pro at the moment which still confuses me that Hikuleo's came back off excursion already but they've decided Shooter can stay a little bit longer. Go have fun. Yeah, it's a shame because you know they did tease. Oh, will Shooter be John Moxley's partner on this show? And they supposed to have to say he can't get back from the UK. So no, it's not going to be him. Which <laughs> made me sad. It did make me sad. And I know technically my notes have got another match before this, but you know what? Let's go straight into that one because you mentioned it. No shooter, no shooter for the surprise tag partner. Not my hope of Sammy Callahan either. We got Nagata. <laughs> Nagata. I. Generally convinced myself it was going to be Sammy Callahan, 
because you know he and Sammy are you know got some indie dates booked as you know as the switchblades on the indies. So I thought well maybe they're getting back together as a team. You know they were they worked together in CZW before. Maybe they'll pop across to Forbidden or maybe Mox will show up in Impact or Sammy Callahan will show up in AEW because you know Callahan's got issues with the Good Brothers as well. But you know it was interesting to see Nagata, you know a guy that Moxley's face for the US tell the idea of that mutual respect between the two. And I think given that the Good Brothers went over in the end. Uh, which also surprised me. I think that was the case. That, this was the purpose of like somebody who the crowd will pop for, but also can take a loss because obviously Moxley wasn't the one taking the fall. Yeah, clever bit of booking. Um, they didn't big it up with anyone too massive. Uh, don't get me wrong, the way they hinted it, I was kind of hoping it would be someone a bit bigger, but to, for having the Good Brothers go over, it made sense. And it was it was still a good match. Moxley and the guy is actually quite an interesting team, I think. Now that like Moxley seems to have embraced the uh, the, the dad bod and became a little bit more harder than unhinged looking than usual. Nagata kind of balances him out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was a hell of a match, and it was nice to see Moxley later on in the crowd saying, you know, implying maybe we'll see him more in a, a New Japan Strong. But I think what's getting a lot of people talking about is the, the post match aspect of it, which I hope not only is a New Japan thing, maybe that I'm hoping that'll spill over. And the impact. Yes, Gorillas of Destiny. God and the Good Brothers finally having the long-awaited showdown with each other because they've they've traded barbs over Twitter for long enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I I had goosebumps watching it, and then the Good Brothers pretty much shat it. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It took, like you said, it did take them off. I would have thought they would have hopefully already shown up and. An impact alongside Jay White, you know, kind of back him up. But, you know, they used uh, Jay White's time and impact to kind of hype the other match on the show we're going to talk about with the Never Open Weight title. And also, they got a new member in the process. But, you know, I'm hoping this leads to bigger things, you know. Maybe we can see them because they said that New Japan will have a presence at Bound for Glory. Could we see the Good Brothers putting those impact belts on the line against GOD? Because, you know, GOD have been IWGP tag champs, they've been Ring of Honor tag champs, you know. Another company that haven't been tag champs in yet, and you know the, the story basically writes itself. It really does, and the only thing that Japan's done to really kind of put the put the coolers on that one for me, unfortunately, um, is that God are going to be in Japan for the next month and a half. <laughs> yeah, and um, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure you know end of October, mid mid to late October is when the G1 ends, which may not be enough time for them to then come back to the USA for Burn for Glory, which I think is on the, the 24th of October. Don't don't quote me on that, but I think it's around about that time. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm praying that it's over in time for the match to happen because it has to happen. Let, let's face it, this is a this is one of those dream matches that we talked about when the Forbidden Door opened, and it's kind of like the Good Brothers. They've been on the same side as God before, but now as better enemies, this could be a war. Yeah, and you know, you gotta have the good brothers maybe coming over to Japan eventually. You know, and we're trying to go after the uh, IWG tag titles because you gotta give them something for winning that uh, tag team turbulence thing, other than those giant fisting trophies. Yeah, the giant fisting trophies of doom. Really, really, really odd choice for Japan to go for that for t- for trophies, but there must be a reason. <laughs> I can't wait for someone to get fisted on pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean that that overall it, it worked really well, and it's 
it's it's just this thing right now, like Japan's like obviously still struggling with COVID compared to anywhere else. So I want these matches to happen, and, I, and if all honesty, I want them to happen in America if it's going to allow them to have a more rowdy crowd behind it. But we've we've, we've talked about the tag match. Now I'll go back to the one that we're meant to go over first, which is we we talked of wars, and uh, we got the big giant guy against the very small man with no neck. We had Ishii against Moose. Oh. Uh, I can't tell you how much I was anticipating this match. As soon as it was announced, this became one of my most anticipated matches on the card. You know, getting to see Moose as part of New Japan was just, you know, something else because, you know, we've seen Impact guys coming in with Josh Alexander having matches on Strong and now you've seen Moose and, yeah, the size difference is something else, which, you know, made it even more, you know, amazing how well this was able to come off with the easy trying to knock down Moose and Moose doing the drop kick while while Easy was sitting up on the corner. But the most impressive thing was how Easy was still able to get Moose up for the you know the vertical drop brainbuster, which made just Moose look even more giant when this you know small but very very hard man you know you wouldn't call Easy small to his face was lifting this giant up and able to drop him down and. Legit, uh, I was on the edge of my seat during this one when it was announced. You couldn't call this because you know you got this relationship, and you know Ishii, while being the six-man champion, he's often used in positions where he can take a loss and it doesn't hurt him. So you, you didn't really know where it was going to go. Yeah, it was it was a, it was an absolute war of a match, and yeah, when you're saying about the size difference as well, I mean, I, I've met Ishii and he he is he is very small. He's like a football me. Like fuck, would I say it to his face? Because he would, he would probably chop my throat off. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, this is the fact that this match was a brutal, brutal affair at points. Which, if I remember correctly, this is only their second ever singles meeting. Mm-hmm. Ishii won, making it two 0 for him. But Moose has hinted this isn't over. So yeah. oh, could this could this spill into Impact? Please. Yeah, yeah. I think they kind of. They kind of made out that the story here was Moose kind of out for revenge to avenge that previous loss, which I think having way back, he was, you know, Moose was still part of Ring of Honor. That's how long ago this was, because, you know, Ring of Honor and New Japan had that relationship. And so obviously Moose has come on leaps and bounds, I think, even since then, you know, being Mr. Impact, holding that, having that run as the TNA world champion. And so, yeah, I would I would not say no to seeing more of this. And just Moose mixing up more in, in New Japan in general because, you know, he's a big guy, but he's agile as anything, and so there's no shortage of, like, dream matches he could have there. Yeah, that's that, I'm definitely with you on that, because Moose is a completely different physical build from really anyone I can think of on the New Japan roster, mm. and it makes for some interesting matchups that would be fantastic to see, and whether it's just, like, normal singles matches, tournament format, it would just, it would be brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that brings us on to the next one. We did have a little talk there about a certain big match being bigged up on Impact. We had Jay White defending the open weight belt against his first challenger, David Finlay, a grudge match for the ages. This match was exactly what I hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't have just Robinson in the corner and even how everything was told in, but you didn't have uh, the newest member, Chris Bay, or well, Gato was still in Japan. So, you know, it was very... I'm not saying there weren't some shenanigans on Jay's part, but, you know, 
it wasn't as interference heavy as some of his matches back in Japan have uh, been in previous years. Uh, I think someone else in Bullet Club has you know, taken over that mantle. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was the most straight-up match that Jay's wrestled in a long time, and, you know, it really, they really knocked this out of the park, because uh, Jay felt he had something to prove. He was, you know, playing the dickhead as he all did, but even even at that, the crowd were still very much in the, in the corner of Switchblade. So it was weird to see a Finn, it was weird to see Finlay hit his you know, stunner and get booed for him. Yeah, and I mean, like, like with how over with the crowd White was, it kind of shows the difference, because in Japan he would get properly booed. And also to an extent, it kind of shows this, uh, this thing that always seems to happen with Bullet Club leaders, that no matter how much they try to be dickheads, in the foreign audiences, they are always still cheered, whether it's Styles, Devitt, Omega. Our yeah. crowds will 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 love them, regardless of them being complete bob eggs. Yeah, I think it says <laughs> I think it says something about us as people if we get so by them. But I think also Bullet Club always has a very you know always has very charismatic you know leaders. You know at the head of them you got AJ, uh, Kenny obviously was has been uh, like a internet favorite for for years now. And you know Jay White, I think it's just gotten more and more over as he's developed, and you know, he also helps that he's a hell of a promo. Uh, so it was, it, I think it was well could tell that he was going to retain here, and it would be his first defense and everything. But I was not expecting who came out later on because you know he's already got a never belt, uh, but it seems to be the condition you have to face each year at least once when you become never champion. It's a rite of passage. <laughs> Yeah, I was really surprised that he came out because I remember before this first defence even happened, Jay made it clear that his first two challengers were going to be Finlay. And then second was my dream match was Jay White v Taguchi. Um, but for some reason, Ishii came out um, just kind of hinting at it. But Jay, Jay, it looks like Jay wasn't going to entertain it, though. As if he was going to go, no, 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 we've done this before. You can bolt. It's strange because I think maybe what they're going for is maybe kind of a rubber match kind of thing. And that you know, Jay lost to Ishii in the G1, and eventually that like months later, when we all thought he was leaving, uh, uh, like with Castle Attack, he eventually lost that. And so they're kind of even now, and uh, Ishii wants to face face Jay for the title, but Jay's like, yeah, I've already beaten you, and I'm basically like, piss off, I want to fight somebody else. And no, I, I think they were both part of the, the tapings that happened in the days following this, so I'm sure we could get this on a future episode of a future episode of Strong, but you know, I, I do like you said, I want to see him face new people. I don't think uh, I don't think Taguchi's able to come over to the US uh, right now, so I think they're going okay, to put the brakes on that one, but there's still plenty of people who are you know, regularly appearing on Strong that he could still face. Yeah, that's. I mean, like, the, like the way that like Jay's coming across with the Bullet Club back into like the USA side of things, and looking at some of the and even like non-New Japan shows with things like Ishimori's being advertised for GCW shows in the coming months. So, I reckon we're going to have some interesting new matchups that we've not seen before on Strong, and that alone is an incredibly exciting time for us. Yeah, there's going to be uh, some strong Bullet Club representation over the next you know few tapings because you know you got. Uh, both Ishimori and ELP advertised. You got Hikaleo, Chris Bay advertised, and obviously Jay White at the head of it. So you know, some 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 strong Bullet Club representation and strong. But you know, we we were talking about this before we recorded. It's weird that the Never Champion's been on kept in the US on a brand that also has a Never Champion, as you pointed out, and the US Champion 
has now went back to Japan. Yes, exactly. And go talking about that. Yes, yeah, that yes title. We had we had we had Tanahashi um, against Lance Archer. Um, this was not the match that match that was I was expecting on the lead up to this. I, I thought we were going to have Moxley keeping that belt until then and getting Moxley vs Tanahashi. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what's happening with the. Uh, they seem to be kind of teasing the Moxley vs Tanahashi match, but kind of holding off on it. You know, maybe is there a thing with uh, both companies not wanting either man to lose? Is there something that say because obviously uh, I think it came out of nowhere for a lot of people that Kojima faced Moxley all out, but you know it was probably going to be hard for Tanahashi to you know wrestle the day before at Grand Slam and then come over to the to the US to face Moxley. But you know I, I could see that happening or sooner around later. Maybe they'll wait. Maybe they'll be bastards and make us wait all the way to bloody Wrestle Kingdom. You know in New Japan they like to make you wait for things. So, you know, it, it does kind of make me think that we Archer won the belt back from Moxley and then carried it into this. It did kind of feel like New Japan wanted it back on a New Japan full-time guy. And so maybe Archer was used as a maybe a transitional guy. Yeah, I think I think there was some backstage politics involved. Perhaps AEW didn't quite want Moxley losing, even to someone like Tanahashi on a big stage or what. So... This was their kind of way to do it by having Moxley being beat by another AEW guy, but also has the history of being in New Japan as well. Kind of protects all parties to an extent. Yeah, and he won it back in the match that he originally lost it in. And uh, it's weird that uh, Archer, he has very short range, but he still manages to get defences in on them because I mentioned at Wrestle Grand Slam that three of the now 10 champions, uh, actually now the 10th IWGP US champion and the first person who of Japanese descent to actually win the belt because everybody before him has been like American uh, or Canadian in Kenny Omega's case or basically the Gaijin because I realised Jay White held it as well he's not American but you get what I mean <laughs> uh, but it's until this 10th champion for Tanashi uh, a Japanese person to win it but he said how three people had gone through a reign without a successful defence I thought oh maybe Archer's one and I kept forgetting he managed to sneak in defences before losing it, but you know, Juice and Cody, uh, Juice's first reign and then Cody's only reign both went without successful events because they kept solving it back and forth. And uh, John Moxley's first reign went without a successful event because, well, fate intervened. Yeah, that's it. It was a, it was definitely a a, we- a weird one with the the way the US title was being handled. But it's it's overall uh, like this match. I, I can't remember the last time Tanahashi and Archer faced each other, especially in singles, but I really, I, I enjoyed this match. Mm-hmm. I think they mentioned they'd only ever faced in G1s. Uh, I think maybe 2019 was the last time they faced, because remember Archer got announced, which seemed weird at the time, but then went on a, a hell of a run with through that G1 beating Will Osprey on his first night. Uh, he's never, and including this match, he's now never beaten Tanahashi, but you can kind of understand it. You know, he kind of Played the dickhead. He was playing up to the crowd, you know, kind of like he used to when he was a full-time New Japan guy. But then teased that maybe it wasn't over, and maybe we'd see him back in New Japan, you know, showing respect to, to Tanahashi afterwards. Yeah, that's it. It was definitely it was a to me it was it, it capped off what I felt was a a very well-performed show. Like the, every match beginning to end, done its job at its place, and it, it's given them a really strong like the first time with the the fans back in full attendance. They knocked it out of the park and they've got the ball rolling strong to begin with. Um, but also, 
the kind of last bit we've got from Resurgence, I, I think I think my note really perfectly sums it up because I like the promo that happened in that. Osprey is back and clearly lost the fucking plot. Yeah, this was one of the things, like I said, where I wasn't able to avoid spoilers for. Uh, because the reason I knew you back is Osprey sent a tweet out saying, uh, to let people know you're from Essex without saying you're from Essex. And he just put up the clip of him mid promo just going over, looking over the country desk and going, Shut up, Kevin Kelly, you slag. <laughs> really playing up that, you know, that Englishness that has, uh, really playing up the English accent and everything uh, to the American audience. But yeah, I was not expecting to see Paul Osprey. You know, they were in the country of the middle of talking as his music was playing, and then it cuts to the, the screen, and so obviously they play it off as if it wasn't meant to happen. And then we got, you know, that classic wrestling storyline I'm the real champion, I never lost my title. And you know, I thought, oh, this is interesting. But he, before he unveiled the belt and said how he's the real champion, and he, he did raise a good point about what happened by about Moxley going into the, defending the belt. So, you know, Osprey v Moxley, I'll take that. But he does <laughs> about you know how he's the real champion. I thought, oh god, is he? Are they going to have him win the G1? Because I was, I was afraid that they were actually going to have him win the G1. They said the G1's coming up, and I'm not entering it. And then he revealed, you know, his version of the world title. And we could see him defending it on New Japan Strong, which uh, I'd be very interested to see who he would actually defend that belt against. See, well, I love the fact in the promo he's pretty much declared war on the LA Dojo. And I was like, right, so he's going to have the likes of Fredericks and that coming from. And as far as I'm concerned, they are no threat to him. <laughs> I think they seem to be TJP as well. Yeah, he was one of them. Uh, TJP, Fredericks, I think, and one or two of the others were there as well, kind of like looking very upset at Osprey's harsh English, yield English language. Hmm. Um, it's 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 definitely, I think, story wise, this is one of the most clever things they could do, and it's again they've instantly been able to justify how to do two nights or, well, I've kind of let the cat out of the bag there. Three nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, <laughs> I. Uh... I'm really looking forward to this. If we're going to talk about Risky now before I was going to make a different point, but I think the this is fantastic when they announced this. Also, given the fact they're doing a different venue for the third night, and that's the third night's like three days later. Uh, I think it's very clever because it gives you a break if you like if you're behind or if you didn't get to watch the first two nights when they happened live. Uh, but I like the idea like maybe night one. You can finally have what Hiromo always wanted, have the juniors main event one night, have uh, hopefully still Shingo against whoever won the G1 and have Will Osprey be like, GY, I want to be on the final night and basically whoever wins that match faces Osprey on the final night and becomes the undisputed IWGP world champion. Yeah, that's it. They've, they've like, I'm, like, I'm, th- I'm racking my brain, I'm like, what the hell is the third night going to be? <laughs> yeah. And you've just you've just done a really good way of explaining. It. I was like, I was like, right, one one night I can see G one winner against Ch- against Shingo. Night two, winner of that against Osprey. I'm like, what am I going to do night three? But you've you've just padded it out perfectly. You've given a great way to do it. I like that. Yeah, totally. And yeah, because I remember when this uh, when he announced he was still a champion. I thought, okay, they need to resolve this. Risk games obviously as good a place as any. And so I instantly I thought. Oh, they're going to hopefully do two nights of Wrestle Kingdom again, aren't they? And they said, ah, we're going to do it one better. We're going to do three. Because uh, there's all the talk that WrestleMania 38 will be, once again, uh, two nights, even though we'll probably have a fuller like capacity 
Ospreay when maybe WWE are learning that maybe two nights is the best way to go. I hope WWE doesn't get any bright ideas about doing three nights of WrestleMania because, you know, it's hard enough to fit in one night of WrestleMania plus TakeOver and Raw and everything. Don't get above your station. Aye, that's it. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about Wrestle Kingdom in the months to come because um, they're already kind of stacking things up with the G1 coming up and other things that we'll get into later. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit Osprey though. Yeah, they're doing, they're teasing some further expansion for the Empire, as on I think it's the second night of the uh, Autumn Attack tapings uh, for New Japan Strong in September. They're teasing, they're advertised, they've advertised the match. It's Connors and Fredericks taking on Osprey and a as yet to be named partner who is you no know, Osprey teasing as the latest member of the Empire. Yeah, I mean it will be interesting because like the Empire is within a stable for numbers like they're still only at four LIG at five Bill mm-hmm. Club at 389 million yeah it's <laughs> like you got you still got like Okan and Cobb flying the flag in Japan and Tanari's vanished off the face of the earth I think he's probably just went back to like, like back home to New Zealand I, 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 I was actually quite surprised like that he's not been announced anywhere he's not shown any cards not even for the G1 I thought they might have they might have slipped him in there, but no, he's he's just he's went AWOL. Yeah, it's a shame as well, given how big how they hyped up you know Sakura Genesis when he was unveiled as the latest member, and he had that singles match with Sanada as well. So you know it's a shame for him, but you know hopefully we'll see him soon. Ah, uh, that's it. There's plenty going on there, and you know that's that that kind of caps off having hand in resurgence and. We move on to the next chapter, Summer Struggle Tour, as I've dubbed it. It never ends. <laughs> never. <laughs> like I said, like we covered uh, most of Summer Struggle uh, Part One. This is Summer Struggle Part Two. And I, I was honestly half expecting them to be like, but summer's not over. Here's Part Two, and I was like, oh thank fuck, the G one's coming in. It's okay, <laughs> we're getting a, a break. Uh, I'll be honest with you, the Summer Struggle Tour, I did start to find it a struggle to watch because it felt like there wasn't a lot of di- direction at points. Mm-hmm. They just kind of felt like they were padding things out. Although I can, I feel that uh, I bullet pointed some of the the, the, the finer points, which uh, one was we had Eagles and Wato had a solid single special match without the title being online. I mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed that match. Yeah, it was interesting because this and another match you pointed out, which we'll talk about in a second, they or the final two matches on the final night of Summer Struggle before uh, Wrestle Grand Slam. So it was interesting to see the final night they decided to kind of give the juniors you know, the spotlight in these kind of special singles matches. Because the last three nights, because uh, like the big draw for the Summer Struggle for me was the Super J Tag League, which I ended up just watching the tournament matches and not watching anything else on those cards uh, at one point because I was a bit behind. But then they had like three nights of uh, Summer Struggle left, so I just felt like they were just throwing out the most random combination of matches uh, like for the, to fill up those final three nights. And this was you know, a strong match, you know, given that you don't often see the, the champions wrestle by like, singles matches before uh, a title defence. You know, it was good. And, and they didn't make Wattles seem like too easy of an opponent for, for the champion before uh, Grand Slam. Yeah, I was glad that it wasn't just a squash. Wattles got to look a little bit strong because, as we've discussed many a time before, where does Watto fit into the junior picture these days? He's he kind of came in with a 
a bit of a big bang with the whole run of videos before he came in. He came in and then he's done pretty much fuck all. Yeah, I, I generally did think he and Taguchi were well within a shot of uh, winning the Super J Tagli. I think they did finish you know, uh, with a decent score, but the the ending was like a three-way tie almost, but uh, got broken by a tiebreakers given that the winners beat the champions and they weren't any of the three teams tied, so you know, they were kind of just outside of you know contention. But, you know, they still look strong in, in Super J Tag League, so I think his his future will primarily probably be as a tag team with either with alongside Taguchi. Or yeah. why why doesn't he why if he why isn't he Taguchi and Tenzai never thought about going for the six man belts? Because you know, Chaos is running out of opponents. They've had nine defences. I know, I can't believe at the, at this point in time that probably the most prestigious but like belts on the entire New Japan card are the are the six man belts because they've been defended so many bloody times successfully by a team that involves Yoshi fucking Hashi. <laughs> yeah, because they they retained over LIG again on the during the tour. Like I think they, right in the middle of the super, I think it was the tenth of August they had the the match, and you know that's most defensive and now most date the longest like reign as champions and. Yeah, like you said, the most important belts right now similarly are those belts. And, you know, Kota Ibushi, they mentioned about the belts he hadn't won uh, during his match on Wrestle Grand Slam. Uh, the two belts he needs to win to win all the belts in New Japan are the US and these ones. Yeah, that's it. It's like they're, they're like, they are starting to, like, I'll, I'll be honest, I used to write off the six man belts as just they're there for the hell of it. But, got to give it to the Chaos Boys. Every one of those nine defences has been absolutely fucking beautiful to watch. Yeah. I remember, I think, when the second or third episode we ever did was a PBR Wrestle Kingdom, and we were, I, mentioned, I mentioned, oh, uh, there's a match on the like the pre-show for night two of Wrestle Kingdom for the tie belts, and we were like, ah, I don't want to talk about that. And then LIG won them, they started to look strong, vacated, and then since Chaos won them, it's been, you know, as Karen Green said, they've gone to the moon. Straight to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and these are and real belts they've got, not replicas. That's it, the actual real deal. There's no Ted DiBiase switcheroos involved with these belts. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the next thing I've, I've, I've kind of went over when Eagle, Eagles and Wato, um, Hiromu finally returned. I've been so happy that he's back. So, so happy. And the little build ups that he's had with Eagles in the backstage comments. But before Eagles, he had the Doki Choki to go up against. <laughs> I know. What a night for Gino uh, Gambio not to be there because he missed an opportunity to slag off Robbie Eagles, which he, we all know he loves to do. And he missed out on seeing the, jo- the Doki Choki. And you know, they've already brought out that Doki hates Hiromu because he thinks he stole a lot of his moves and everything. So, you know, it was a decent, first, uh, made sense for his first opponent. I'm surprised they didn't try and ease Oromo back in like through tag matches. Instead, you know, he went nearly 30 minutes with with Doki just going hell for leather. The first few spots are throwing each other into the bloody barricade. You know, maybe Oromo, this is why you get injured so often because as soon as you come back, you're throwing yourself at the wall again. I was, I was, I was like, part of me was like, has this match just been thrown in to make sure Oromo doesn't actually kill himself in the first match back? Probably, just, yeah. Just, I mean, because I was like, I was like, Oromo and Doki. Hmm. It's probably more like an, a nice little 10, 50 minutes. No, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's go for almost 30. I was like, pardon? 
joke in a 30 minute match yeah because they've already said before about you know how much like uh, Naito before him he doesn't he, like he likes to skirt close to like time limits like he did in the best of super juniors and they because I mentioned when he Eagles last face it was in the best of super juniors and they went 26 minutes so for Romu you know unlike the other members of LIG he doesn't start slow he just goes fast and just keeps that pace going but he's st- he does love a long match yeah that's it like they they really if, if anything this whole tour is really emphasized Japan cannot help themselves they have to have a long match every single card regardless of what the stakes are mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it was a fun match, um, you know. That's it was a great way to for the juniors to get a spotlight before the the MetLife Dome matches. And speaking of juniors, we have talked about that Super Junior Tag League, which we had probably the, the probably the biggest shock we've had in Japan for the last few months. Showing you, no more, no more. Yeah. Also, like we kind of had to they had to cancel two matches because uh, I think Jad. Uh, Gedo and Dick Togo had to uh, leave before their last to come off the top before their last two matches to because uh, they got uh, COVID or they came in contact with Shingo and that who got COVID so they had to be taken off and you know, they, they were meant to fight Rapongi 3K on their final night but that match got cancelled so their final match on the second last night yeah they, they went winless with Yo taking the, the losses you know it was him that he, he'd also failed to beat Esperado he'd lost when they lost the tag belts and it felt like the losses were piling up and the way it happened as well is just so it was so heart-wrenching because you know you know even though they weren't going to win the tournament you know they could still try to find a way to win the match coming together you know you had you on the pinche loco now you had them in the, the, the numero yeah. dos yeah numero dos thinking it was right in front of me but i couldn't reach it the numero <laughs> dos i'm thinking pinche loco that's the other movie he uses but he had him in the numero dos, and he's like, he's not in your knee, and like, your show could have saved him, but he's like, nah, go ahead, and just stands there. And, you know, being a new generation, it reminded me of the time where Javo Guerrero could have saved Eddie from a beatdown from the Bastions. He had a steel chair and just like, nah, folded it on, just sat down and just watched Eddie get beat up. Uh, I know it's a random comparison, but, you know, I'm sure there are people out there like David Hockney who remember that, that'll back me up on this one, but just how he just watched him and just kind of held him up and you see that even on Red, Red Shoes' face when he like, took them up into the shock arrow and I had to go back and find out what he said, like get like the captions on the U- on YouTube where he basically said to match, yo, just retire. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've seen as much of a look of disgust on someone's face since you, your brother and Alan on SummerSlam night when they looked over at me. <laughs> <laughs> I would not I would not have picked you up for a move like Shock Arrow. That would be me that would put me too close to your arse. That would be it in the first place. That's why my that's why I'd be stealing to Gucci's gimmick going forwards. <laughs> the, the actual shock of that, like I was that I, I, I knew they teased it, but I was like Ah, they're not going to split them. They've been they've been together for like nine years. Like throughout the time before they came back for excursion, when there were the Tempura boys in Ring of Honor, I was like, nah, they've always been together. And know what the problem is, Rocky. This yeah. is what happens when you leave the kids for too long. <laughs> you can't leave the kids unsupervised. This is what happens. They try and drop each other on their heads and do all sorts. One uh, of your kids falls in with the wrong crowd. And we'll get to that in a wee bit, I'm sure. But, you know, yeah, it still shocked me, even though I could kind of tell that our breakup was eventually coming. What was more shocking to me was how quickly they did the eventual match. 
because I didn't expect the match to be announced for a Grand Slam. I thought they were going to hold off on it like for ages. Like I thought, oh, they probably won't even come face to face until Super Juniors. But no, they said no. We need to fill. We got two nights to fill. So here it is, night one. Yeah, night one. They 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 fired that in, and you know we we will get to that when we talk about the uh, Netlife Dome. But yeah, I was like, well, they are they are really not fucking waiting for this. That really caught me off guard. I was like, pardon. <laughs> so like you know, unfortunately, they split, and Suzuki Gun came out on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think further highlighting the issues with the bloody junior tag division. Where is the variety? Yeah. Because like it was like a three-way tie, I think almost nearly between Desperado and Kanemaru, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask, who did a lot better than I thought they would. And so there you go. We've lost Rafonga 2K, but we've got who the team effectively dubbed the Flying Tigers and uh, Bullet Club's cutest <laughs> tag team, who have got a T-shirt that they refused to put on sale, uh, which which is just amazing. And so we had three t- tie between them, but you know. Desperate and Camera basically went through like unbeaten. I think they had a perfect run, and they managed to beat uh, the champions on the final night, which I didn't agree with. Like, yeah, have them beat the champions because everyone has to face each other, but don't do it on the final night, because uh, like because then also you've given away the the match they're going to get Grand Slam on the last night. Have them fight at the start of the tournament or in the middle, but I didn't agree with it being on the last night because again, yeah, like you said, it further highlights the uh, further highlights the issues between the two. Because I'm pretty sure it's like the third or fourth time they faced off this year alone. Yeah, we had a similar issue. I'm pretty sure it was the same tournament last year where it was in, but at that time it was Hiromu and Bushi, I believe, and it was, you pretty much had the final, like, sort of block night, and then you had the same match for the finals, like, two days later, and it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm hoping that now that Hiromu's back, maybe he and Bushi will go back into the tag because it's weird that you can say that Bushi has been both junior heavyweight champion and junior tag champ, but Hiromu hasn't held both. So, you know, Hiromu going after a different prize, he's never been junior tag champ, I think that'd be a good story for him. Yeah, still, it still completely blows my mind that, that that is the situation that they're in, but that that is, at the same time, this it leaves me, I'm like, is that all the junior tag teams they have? And I'm look, looking through like their, kind of their whole roster in Japan, it pretty much is. There's only like about five or six teams tops. And like given what happened like what a before Hiroma Granger originally and they did the again it was maybe him and Bushi versus uh, Bullet Club but then they end up being Suzuki and V Bullet Club because uh, he got injured and what happened after night two of Grand Slam they basically become vehicles for junior heavyweight single feuds where two guys feeding over the junior one half of the junior tag champ will probably challenge the junior heavyweight champion so then junior junior heavyweight champion has to then find a partner to challenge for the tag belt before he gives the guy a shot at the singles belt. So basically, they're a, like I said, a vehicle to promote singles feuds in the junior division now. Yeah, that's that has been really starting to annoy me. It's like it's almost like ah, you want a shot at the champion, but we don't we don't do the whole you pin the champion to go and get a shot at the junior championship anymore. No, you first you must first beat the sub boss before you're allowed to tackle the main boss. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I beg your pardon, what is this bullshit? <laughs> yeah. I like I think the junior tie belts have uh, taken the place of uh, the never titles with how they how frequently they've been switching this year. Yeah, it's got to be what three or four switches this year alone. It's it's madness. Yeah, I'll talk about it when we get to Wrestle Grand Slam because you know I was I was actually 
uh, when they were walking back up back at the rap and they were starting the next match. I was kind of going back in my head. So it was this guy, and then to them, and then back to them, and back to them. I was going through the. I was going backwards chronologically in my head to try and figure out how many times have these bloody belts changed since. Yeah, that's uh, it's been it's been going back and forth, and yet we will get to that in the Met Life though. And I think the last thing really to talk about summer struggle was we got the debut of two new young lions. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, neither of these ones was injured within ten seconds of the first match, so that makes me extra happy. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the last one, but I feel so. I'll still feel sorry that happened to him. I can't wait for him to come back because he looked a unit. <laughs> yeah, I've not really early for much of a opinion on these two young lines because you know with the whole shaving head thing, they and given that they've they've been they also they're forced to dress as young lines, they look they seem like too similar to me. So you know, give them time. You know, you know establish their own personalities. You know, because you can with the recent most recent crop of young lines, I've just went out experiencing like you and Murder and Tuji. You could kind of you know, pick one out from the other, not just because of the size of them, but like they had their own traits, you know, you and Moira wasn't afraid he would go after it like somebody Suzuki, so I'm not really forming my opinion of these two young lines yet, but I think they had that young line who got himself injured ringside during one of the junior tag matches and uh, Phantasmo brought him into the ring just so he and Ishimori could hit him in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, and the, I mean, the two new ones, it's Ryohei Oya, and uh, I've probably butchered the surname in that one. It's one of the few words that kind of throws me off. And uh, Kosei Fujita. Um, I've read a couple of interviews with him. I, I get myself mixed up which one is which with the, the shaved head and that. But one of them in particular has filled me with hope by the fact that his role model and his future aim is to be like Minoru Suzuki. I'm like, yes, lad, go the distance then. Like, oh, yeah, it just sounds like the name. It sounds like what a Scottish person says when they get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, bastard! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that—it's it, nice to see. You know, we've got two new young lines because there, there, there was that gap left with the previous ones leaving, and you know, we say two new young lines—they've technically been in the dojo for well over a year, so they—they mm. they have actually got a lot of experience under their belt. And from what I read, they're both also got experience in amateur wrestling prior to joining the dojo. Um, which seems to be quite a common thing I've noticed amongst the young lines, uh, an amateur wrestling background. Um, in that case, please send them over here to Scotland. You could maybe have them feud with Joe Henry. <laughs> I was going to say, if Oya came over here to Scotland, he'd definitely be over. He'd be over anywhere in the UK. Think of the chance you could get out of that. Oh, that'd be beautiful. I could just imagine him vis Joe Henry in, in Discovery. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we go on to the big... The big two-day event, the MetLife Dome. I keep, I keep on just saying the Dome. I need to keep, I need to remember myself to say the MetLife Dome to, val- to point out it is not the Tokyo Dome. So this it is a bit very different. similar. Yeah, I, I love those buildings. There's quite a few of them all across Japan, and they're they're generally built for baseball stadiums. And the design of them is an absolute engineer. I I, I add a little nose at how they're made in that, like videos on YouTube, being a complete nerd about it and the structure, how they're made. Absolutely fascinating. It's just, it's just crazy. And finally, though, this dome show did bring us something that we we have never had. We we got a first. If Sarah Grieve was listening, or if she is listening, she loves that. She loves firsts. She loves historic moments. We got stardom matches on New Japan World. Mhm. Yeah, because I've seen them advertised, but I wasn't expecting to actually see them on the show because I think they've had them before. It's kind of fourteen, uh, but they weren't actually you know shown. Uh, on the show, there were just dark matches for the crowd. So, 
I wasn't expecting it, and so obviously I was basically been having to rely on what rely on what you know, the commentary was saying, what Chris Charlton was saying about them, because I didn't really know a lot about them, and because like they had Queen's Quest, I vaguely remember hearing them, because I believe likes of Viper when she's been over in Japan, she was part of Queen's Quest for a while, I think. Uh, but I like the uh, the team on this. Yeah, Watanabe. I think I'd vaguely heard her name, but you know, I think I preferred the match on the second night uh, than the than the first because you know they had the the Stardom Tag Champs coming out, and I like their you know crazy dancing entrance with the like Tron like masks that they had on. Yeah, I, I think I think both both nights had really good day. The, the first night, in, in particular, first night, Lady C. Um, I, I'd seen a few people tweeting about her saying they were quite surprised she was on the show because she's still quite fresh and quite new. But you know that's a hell of an experience for her. But yeah, night two, that that dancing entrance was just fucking awesome. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It was it was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, Viper's been Queen's Care Quest. Um, I think Kaylee Ray was part of that as well. Yeah, she'd done a bit of stardom. Um, it's a promotion I've dipped my toes into a little bit um, and it's going to be interesting because apparently the talk is there's going to be more English commentary stardom coming in the future with everyone being owned by Bushiroad and Kevin Kelly his name has been thrown in there as getting involved in it so that may give us a reason to start dipping our toes into that in the, in the, in the future Yeah, cool it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they put any stardom content you know, on Japan World you know just for it to get that some people will like kind of like start have their own streaming service and it may encourage people like oh here on New Japan or here's a little taste of it you go over here it's a similar place for this streaming service go check it out Kim and Kaylee's over there now and all with English content so it could be interesting I would, I'd be all for it like you said they are now all under the same parent company so the, the opportunities for crossover are, are there no, definitely. The, the opportunities for crossover, and I, I, I've used Stardom's online service before, and it's not quite as good as New Japan World. So, I'm kind of hoping maybe they'll get that investment. Ideally, in the future, I would love it if they merge the two, make it one one subscription, mm-hmm. get both. That I, I feel, I feel that they're missing a trick by not doing that because Stardom, I think a lot of people sleep on that. It has got. It, don't get me wrong. They, they like sort of the Joshi style wrestling isn't always for everyone, but they have some absolutely nuts matches. They really do. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of great tradition. I like Japanese women, even going back to the nineties, like all Japan women's wrestling. Like, because you know, back in the nineties, you know, women's wrestling wasn't great, wasn't big in the US. But you look back in the observers of the nineties and all the all Japan mat, women's matches that Dave Meltzer's like they throwing out five star ratings that they're going out of style. No, didn't break it. Didn't didn't yet feel the need to break his uh, his five star scale. He had to wait years, a few years for that. Aye, that's it. There's, there's, it's definitely there's a lot of, so much. So I mean, that's it. We are, I mean, I keep saying about how hard it is. I mean, I'm like, could you imagine if we tried keeping up with Stardom on top of this as well? I think we'd struggle. <laughs> I, I'm struggling to keep up with New Japan at the best things. But before I had a job, and now I've got a day day job, and I've got the G1 coming up. I'm bloody. I'm dreading it almost. I, I keep up with this. You know, I'm, I'm glad that Kevin Kelly's announced he's actually he and Charlton are going to be their ringside. Hopefully, New Japan will get their finger out this year and get those bloody shows up like they split. Yeah, I, I, I think you know, there's there's so much going on, and yet you know, as you are now, Darren Young, you are Mister No Days Off. <laughs> <laughs> we we've like we've had a lot of 
a lot of like matches came across the two dome shows. So yeah, we had the, we had the start of the matches, which I thought was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, still can't get my head around seeing a dome that's only got like twenty five percent capacity. So mm-hmm. they don't they don't even bother setting up the full stage. They just come out the dugout, which is really weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, the first match we can, I've got in here, we, we had a, a tag opener with um, it was Eagles and Tiger Mask against Bushy and Hiromo, just really a kind of a warm up mm-hmm. for for night for night two. One of those matches, which in my opinion didn't need to be there. No, it, it didn't really need to be there. But you know, I think again, it was another match for Hiromo, another warm up before he had the big title match the the following night. And you know, poor Bushy's. He's in that role now. He's the resident fall guy for LIJ, which I know at this stage I'm starting to feel bad for him. But you know he always puts in a good effort. Yeah, that's that's uh, poor Bushy. Like has been getting a kind of rough time of things. Um, you know, like usually eating the eating the wrath of like whether it's eating the wrath of Ishii and six man tag matches. Wait, why, why, why Ishii? He's small. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, like suffering the pin that. But you know. I'll be honest, nothing much else to note of that match. You know, it was it was nice to see them, them tagging. Um, but really, I, I want to talk about the second match, the one that we've the one that we've just kind of segued into, which was you and Show. <laughs> yeah, this I was not expecting this to be as long as it was. Literally, my, my thought going into this was going to be it's going to be like maybe ten minutes. You obviously the whole story is he's maybe lost the state. He gets just battered by. So uh, go and then they go their separate ways for a while, and I'm, I still think this is going to happen. I think Show has become my new favourite to win the, the Super Juniors this year. I think when he eventually becomes Junior Champion, he'll then lose it to Yo. But like yeah, 24 minutes this went. I was not bit nobody. Uh, I thought, well, it's very evil, like uh, as in the wrestling evil like gear that uh, that Show is wearing. <laughs> how right I didn't know I was. And then, yeah, it went back and forth, you know, but more so than I thought. But, you know, I think the idea of it ending via referee stoppage with, you know, and the shock arrow, uh, then picking them up after the pin, and then, you know, uh, show pulling out a brand new submission move, which looked deadly, and then ending via referee stoppage uh, was the right way to go to further, you know, further showcase this new vicious streak that, uh, that show's got. Aye, that's uh, it. This match, like I've I've actually noticed this is a kind of a common thing that a lot of people a lot of people are really ragging it at New Japan right now, um, especially after the MetLife shows and that matches they're saying that are going far too long for what they need to be. Uh, like twenty four minutes, I, I felt I felt the length of that match. I would have expected that to maybe have been the build up to like that should have been like the last match of like a, maybe a series of three. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was don't get me wrong though. I mean it, it delivered. It, it was a match that I really enjoyed, um, albeit with the uh, as you've as you've said how how right you were. That gear looks quite evil. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder who show is going to join then. Yeah, Bullet Club. <laughs> not not just Bullet Club uh, Grant, uh, along with the evil Togo and Yujiro, they've now formed a new subgroup, the the House of Torture. Because if you're seen any any of Evil's matches, they're often a torture to sit through and <laughs> like why, why did he have to join Bullet Club you pointed out like another bloody member of Bullet Club in your notes because like we already got Chris Bay added he was a welcome addition especially on the US side why do we need another like 
I think the Empire or Suzuki game would have been better suited for for show uh, to join. You know, help get the numbers up in one of those groups. You know, they haven't had a new member in a while. Uh, but like, yeah, you know, the only place that has more mem has more people in it than Bullet Club is probably this fucking podcast. <laughs> exactly. As like, I looked at it, same um, sixteen sixteen members now. It's like the fucking stone cutters. <laughs> And then I looked at like there's like, someone someone put a list. A sorry, list of, sorry. That, that was one of them coming to a new remix song. <laughs> who controls the new Japan? Who knocks the referee down? We too. <laughs> <laughs> like, and they described them as the oh, the worst of the worst of Bullet Club. Like, yeah, you got that right. I mean, I like show, but I don't like a mix in with these guys. Like, if you just took these four, made the House of Torture its own thing, take them away from Bullet Club. And you're actually left with a, a better faction if you take these guys away, because you're left with Jay White, G.O.D., you know, Bullet Club's cutest idea in ELP and Ishimori. you got Chris Bay, you know, you also got Hikaleo, but nobody's perfect. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're left with a better faction if you take those guys away. I know, it's just, someone put up a thing and it was like, there were 16 in Bullet Club now, um, Hontai's got 12, but that's just always been the way Hontai's kind of like... Your, your ragtag, like, what's left over, like, Tanahashi, Taguchi and that, that kind of have their own little things. Uh, Chaos is down to nine now. Uh, Suzuki-kun, I think, is six. Five for um, LIJ and four for United Empire. I was like, hmm, wonder how this is going to impact the G1 announcement when it finally happens. Hmm, we'll get to that, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the, the House of Torture, and yeah, you, you sum it perfectly, it is a form of fucking torture, and we'll we'll get to that when we're when we're talking about night two. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, obviously they had that that finish. Shows joined them. The next match, however, this is another one people are kind of stating about the length of it. But in all honesty, I feel we I I feel we got our money's worth because finally, Yano Yano definitely got his overtime pay against Jay Owens when he battered the living fuck out of him. <laughs> I wonder how far you're going to have to go back to find a Yano match that went nearly the, as long as this did. Because, yeah, like 28 minutes, I think, according to New Japan's website, this went, and you know shit's about to go down when Yano dyes his hair. When Yano dyes his hair, shit's about to go down. And, yeah, like it was a lot, probably the longest KOPW match we've had so far. Probably the most violent. You know, they, they used everything, the, the strap, you know, which is from Texas, which makes it better. Yeah, handcuffs, dirty bastards. Uh, the trash cans, ladders, all sorts. And then I don't think this is going to be like a one night kind of thing because it seemed like Yano, like, his you know his switches flipped. So I'm interested to see what Yano's going to be like during the G1. Does he keep the hair dyed for a little while longer? Because he's certainly going off the deep end. But like the worst part of this match for me is like when they went for that pile driver through the two tables and they didn't break. I know. I. I, I... I had, a, I had one of my wee sort of like dry heave moments so I just went Ugh. well thank you <laughs> it was just <Yeah>. like nope <laughs> <laughs> I know like it's like like Kevin Kelly points out like what the hell are these things made of like that they don't go like it's almost worse when they don't break I, I think when they don't break it, it is so much worse and I, I just instantly I'm, I'm like I, I, I start to go into like I wonder what Deadpool would say about this. You know, like, did they get them out of IKEA? Is it the Rodal? <laughs> the Rodal. Like, these, these things are fucking solid. It, it, it always gives me the feel like, like as soon as someone gets a table in Japan, I'm just like, nah, 
Nah, they're actually made solid. They're not like ours. Ours are made like cardboard, I think. But theirs? Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, they're so thin as well. You think, oh, they don't I mean it looks good, and then someone takes a bump off it, and you hear the sound that it makes. Yeah, I mean, I think going back to even like watching my first New Japan stuff back, like when it was Omega and Akada, and you seen things like, like the way they broke, like they didn't just like do like a full clean snap. Like you could even end up with the Japan tables having just like a hole in them. I'm like, what the fuck is this thing made of that you can make a hole in it and still have the whole thing not break? Yeah, yeah, but were you surprised to see Yano get the the KOPW back? He'll say he threatens to bloody take uh, Owens' eyes out with a pair of scissors before he eventually says says that he quits. Because uh, originally he thought he was going to cut his hair like he did to Hiromo. Uh But then, he, yeah, Chase Owens quits. No, I knew Yano would eventually get it back, but I thought we'd at least get a few matches of Chase kind of defending the title. I know it felt like quite a quite a sharp like turnaround um, with the fact that yeah that that was literally like the first defense for Chase and he he did so don't get me wrong the KOPW is back where it belongs uh, although I'm kind of hoping that maybe with the G1 um, since we know Yano's in it uh, we're just since we're just casually slipping in the the G1 entrance well I'm doing it anyway um, I'm wondering then like are they going to treat the KOPW like other titles that happen during the G1 where, you know, if someone beats Yano, are we going to end up like a few people lined up with a shot at Yano? Maybe, maybe. I think Saxby Virginia got a shot when he beat Yano uh, last year, so it could happen. You know, it's a title that has to be defended, so I don't see why it couldn't have the same rules. Yeah, it's that is something that actually excites me because there is some potential. When we get to talking about the G1, we'll talk about the blocks and that. Um, when I look at who's in Yano's block, there is some potential exciting like KOPW matches that could come at the back of it, and I like to get a wild speculation of what rules could they come up with. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, all in all, I felt it was a solid match. I, I feel I, I feel it's been years since we've seen Yano that focused and serious. Um, based on such a dominating performance, I can still see why Kenny Omega is still scared of Yano. <laughs> Yeah, he owes him a match. He does. <laughs> with that, then next matches. This matches, and the next one's probably actually one of the ones I'd probably say is one of the most eager for me. This was a match that I looked at and I was like, yes, yes, a million times yes. We had Stephen Wilson's favourite wrestler, Kazuchika Okada, against Jeff Cobb. Yeah, I think I enjoyed this more than their previous match. Yeah, because I wasn't really looking forward to them having a rematch. Because I thought, well, Okada's won. What else is there to do? Uh, how wrong I was, because you know, I was—I think I was even happier when this wasn't the main event. Because I thought the main event, it being the main event, made it too predictable. Then they put the US title in the main event instead. Uh, and so obviously, they t- said how dominant the Empire had been time matches. But I thought, well, you need to start giving Cobb wins here because Okada's been his his one obstacle in twenty twenty one. Well, what about? Shingo and Ibushi, they both beaten him in 2021 and in, in singles <laughs> matches. You know, are they not obstacles? You know, one of them's your world champion now. But you know, each their own, Kevin. But through just through their like their tag team record, I think they're like uh, 21 or 22 and 22 and one or something like that, or 22 and two uh, in tag matches. So Jeff Cobb apparently is like one of the winningest wrestlers. You know, kind of the winningest. You know, kind of two of the winningest wrestlers in New Japan right now. 
And so obviously you're like, well, he's got to get some big singles wins and eventually did, because I think he looked even more dominant here than he had before. You know, he's throwing Okada around. They were going through for carries, both trying to get get up each other up for the tombstone. And I thought it was or a great callback the way they paid off the finish, especially if they were going to have Rob go over convincingly, having him do the tour of the islands from the middle rope, which was the same way he'd use, same way he'd used to beat the leader of the Empire, Will Osprey, back uh, the back at Madison Square Garden and picked him up and had a second one. So you know, if you're going to put away, if you're going to put away Okada convincingly, that's how you do it. You know, because we all know the middle rope, as OSW pointed out, it's the most dangerous of all ropes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was thoroughly happy with the result. Um, the fact that it was a clean win as well. There was no shenanigans or dodgy stuff going on. Like Cobb has looked an absolute force, and I reckon their whole angle with that is for the G1, so that he looks like a potential winner for it. Because mm-hmm. to me, it does. He's he's toppled some of the best they have in the last year and a half. So. Yeah. If if you've got him in the G1, fucking be ready. Be ready. He is a big lad and he's going to battle you. Yeah. I think it's going to be night and day how he performs this G1 compared to last year's G1. Because I think he was going to throw it in there. Oh, you know, he's now signed, so now he's part of uh, the G1 now. But he didn't get that many wins. But I think he'll be he'll be a stronger performance. I think is they're even hanging up because it was three nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Kevin Gale and Christian were putting over him so strong that they said so. Oh, can you imagine if Cobb won a G1 and then went on to win Super, won the World Tag League with Okan? You could challenge for the tag titles and the world title on like separate nights. Like, God, these guys are really wanting you to think that Cobb has a chance here. Aye, that's, that's it. Like, there's, like, to me, like, if you'd asked me last year, Darcy I Cobb as a G1 winner, I'd be like, nah, I could definitely see him being like a, like a mid card champion, you know, holding a US belt open weight, that sort of thing. But, I see him doing the G1 now this year I'm like fuck I might need to put him in my top three picks <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was a fantastic match and it was pretty much like the second longest match on that whole night one yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah because like, a lot of people say about the main event being short the main event was 17 minutes so I thought well that's not usually 17 minutes isn't that short but then when you look at the rest of the run times the only match on the main card to go less than that was the bloody opening tag. So yeah, even Yano wrestled longer than Tanahashi on this night. I know, like, it, it caught me by surprise. Like The US title match was over. To me, it felt so quickly. I was like, wait, wait, what? What just happened there? <laughs> um, but, but I suppose to an extent, I'm wondering if part of that was just easing Ibushi back in. He has mm. came back from pneumonia. It's a little bit shit. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he said he hadn't wrestled like I think, I think the maybe the Cobb match might have been the last match he wrestled uh, before us because he may have made a face, he was made a face single at the Tokyo Dome and then Tanashi had to take his place. But yeah, I think you may be onto something there with him. He's in like, well, wait for time for him to come back where like maybe he's probably second match that he has will be his first G one match. So you know, we throwing him in the deep end when you just come back from pneumonia. And, I'm glad that you put in your notes that you said about being short because I thought I was the only one who felt that way. But yeah, it, it did feel kind of shorter than you expect from these two. I thought it was it. It was like it was kind of touching that you know Abushi was almost was crying almost at the start of the match because obviously how much you know Tanashi means to him. Uh, there were still some great spots they put into this match with uh, like Abushi getting his knees up for the high fly flow and then keeping a hold of Tanashi 
getting up and then going for the Kamagoye. I thought that was really strong. And then, like, Tanahashi standing up when he went for the Kamagoye, and then he just goes, fuck it, V-trigger to get him back down in position again. But he was putting it away quite convincingly, I felt, at the end. And, you know, it was Tanahashi's first defence, and if you want to help further elevate the, U- the US belt with Tanahashi, then he had to probably go over. So... I'm wondering if the what you said about the never belt a while back about maybe that taking the place of the the old Intercontinental belt. I'm thinking, given that they brought it back to the Japan, maybe they're trying to do that for the US, but make that the the kind of successor to the Intercontinental belt because this is actually the first time I believe it's been defended in Japan since Moxley v Suzuki at New Beginning 2020. Yeah, that's that's it. It's been a, a, an immensely long time, and you know I, I'd say you're you're we've got a point there that. For elevating the prestige of a belt, you can't really go wrong with putting a belt in Tanahashi and giving them a reign that lasts at least a few months with even like three or four defences. It just makes it look so much better. It's like to me it's it's like what WWE used to do with the likes of like they put a belt on Cena because well, let's face it, everyone was drawn to it. You know, it didn't matter whether you booed them, cheered them, what it drew eyes, it drew attention to the belt. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tanahashi reminds me of to an extent in ways that he's like, he's pretty much Japan, New Japan's answer to John Cena. He's the company guy that will always do anything selflessly for the company. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear a further discussion about John Cena, US champion, tune in. Like, like I said, next week's feature show, Best WWE US Champions. There you go. I slip that in when you can. I felt I found the right opening. Uh, that's, uh, it was absolutely... It was it was it was a solid match, you know, really nice callbacks and that. And to me, I, I felt night one ended pretty well. Um, a lot of people I say on Twitter and that I, I watched that, and a lot of people are feeling that they're struggling to focus on these cards because even though it was only five matches, the whole show still lasted well over three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the, the, the kind of like the quarter quarter attendance and that, people are struggling. They are getting fatigued with watching New Japan in Japan and. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I kind of agree with them to an extent. I do find myself sort of struggling a little bit at times with these kind of almost empty arena shows where the, the crowd can't even cheer. I'm just dying for it to get back to normal over there. Yeah, I can, I can I like the idea of a, a show, you know, if it's shorter, that means matches get more time, but there is a limit sometimes, I do agree. Because this went like three and a bit hours, I think four hours was the run time for night two. So sometimes you do have to kind of rein it in. Although I did love a uh, Tanasi's extended celebration after he won because he's playing the air guitar, one would break, and then he said, "So I'll get open the crowd, pretend to throw him a new one," and he would he was playing that, and Kevin Kelly and Chris John were doing like, "How did you get that in the building?" Did <laughs> <laughs> he check your bags? Always got to love. We always got to love a little bit of Tanahashi air guitar. It really mm-hmm. makes it makes it work. Um, and what made it even funnier for me was the fact that with the way his hair has been done recently, there's a picture on Instagram, and I sent it to my friends going, Japanese Kurt Cobain can't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> and then sent that picture. Pops all around. <laughs> <laughs> so that that capped off night one. Night two, um, we went on to, we opened with a, a tag match on night two. Um, I'm not really going to belabor the point. It was kind of like just retreading all ground. We had Great Okan and Cobb against Ishii and Okada. 
I think the main fo- focus of this was really just to give Okan a little bit of a showing before the G1 since it's been confirmed he's in it as well. Oh yeah, I really wanted to see a month month of Great Okan matches. But yeah, I, I was not happy when I saw this out. I don't like, stop giving us tag matches on the second night when somebody's already had a singles match on the first night. Like, with the same people. Um, I mean, it's not to say that match wasn't enjoyable, but it, like, it did, like you said, feel like it was like retreading old ground. Like, it could, I could have done without seeing Jeff Cobb and Okada face off again until sometime in the G1. So, yeah, it did feel like, like they wanted to get like Ichi and mixed in there and create Okan. But, you know, I, I did, it did feel overall kind of pointless. But I think both nights didn't, both nights kind of did start off with tag matches that really didn't need to be there. Yeah, that's it. Like with with this with kind of like two two ma- like two matches that just didn't need to be there at all. Um, but let's talk about the ones that do need to be there. Um, next, like the next match that we had up was the the junior tag title match, um, a matchup that I would say we've seen maybe maybe a few times. Just a yeah. few. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me tell you a story. Like with the junior tag titles, they started off the year. Around the waist of Desperado Karamaru, lost them to ELP and Ishimori, who then lost them to Fantas to Desperado Karamaru, who lost them to Romongi 3K, who lost them to Bullet Club, who then now this night lost them back to. So yeah, in the space of uh, if it, like they were they're in the middle of their second ring, I think going into the year, and now they're on their fourth within the sp- like six months later because that's how much these belts are flip flopping. Yeah, that's like that. That's it. The, the sheer countless amount of flip flopping. Um, although I'm excited, the fact that I mean, this was Desperado and Kanemaru becoming the 67th tag team champions. I'm wondering who will be the 69th. Who will get that honour? No, who needs it? To Gucci. Mm, there's hope for the Ass Masters yet. <laughs> the Ass Masters need to do it because if I, if I remember correctly, to Gucci was also the 69th junior heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. On the math is there. It's all there. Um, this match itself, well, it's self-explanatory. You put these two teams together, you're always going to get gold. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the mystery of the, the the loaded book continues with El Fantasmo. Like, they had the moment, I think it was when these guys had their match in the Super J Tag League where referee kind of suspected that there's something in Fantasmo's book because he kicked Karamaru uh, in the gut. I mean, the way he was selling it, the referee got suspicious. I mean, earlier in the tournament, they, again, they showed the, the, the note inside the boot, the fuck you, uh, Kikuchi, which was great. And uh, like I said, I enjoyed this match. You know, like I said, two rule-breaking like rule teams getting to mix up, which is kind of funny to watch. But, you know, we'd, we have seen it quite a few times, so I'm running out of things to kind of say about them. And, yeah, the finish of it with, uh, you know, they they went they went after Phantasma's leg, so we kind of couldn't set out for sudden death. So we took the boot off, and the loaded boot was used as a weapon in the end. So obviously their their greatest asset uh, for EOP and Ishimori would end up coming back to haunt them, which you know, which you kind of almost you could kind of assume was eventually going to happen. Well, the more they did this whole loaded bit angle. Yeah, it was used as a weapon. I still want to know what the fuck is in the boot. Was there another? Was there another note? Please. Let me let me hope. I hope there was another note because I love that. That whole "fuck you" to Gucci thing was one of the funniest things of the year for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted that keep going every time they try and someone will try and take his boot off. It would just be for a different opponent, just saying "fuck you." 
and personalise every single time with their name. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love it if it eventually led to a spot where the wrong person took the boot off and they're like, it's for you. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like Kanamaru takes off, it says, fuck you, Desperado, just hands it to him, like, that's for you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, solid match. I, again, you know, compared to the previous night, you know, this, this one, nice, crisp 20 and a half minutes didn't overstay its welcome. Um, and we continued on to further the the three way the three way madness mm-hmm. that was <laughs> dangerous techers, um Yoshihashi, I hate I hate having the bloody mention his name, Yoshihashi, Goto and Sanada and Naito. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> My boys. Yeah. And, well, and, well, uh, this match was I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I'm still. I've, I've watched it twice, and I still can't make up my mind if I loved it or hated it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, people were going to complain about length, and this was not the match for you because you know it's got Naito in it, so of course it's going to go a long time. Uh, you saw how long their dome match went, uh, but now you had another team in the mix, and yeah, it was kind of a shame that they kind of they took away. They took. They had to take Naito and Sanada. It was a build for a few weeks because of uh, Shingo getting COVID. And so the match uh, was fast paced, you know, every every so often somebody new would kinda come in and kinda make it fresh up before this is when it's like the match is gonna slow down. So, you know, I didn't hate the match, but I think uh, the teams have had you kind know, of better matches you now singularly. But you know, it's, I think they've also done better like three way matches because New didn't do them often, but often they knock them at the part when they do do them. But I think by comparison this maybe didn't live up to those previous matches. Uh, but I think it, it definitely made sense for Yoshihashi and Goto to be the team to get take the loss because you know, they could have easily pull a swerve and had uh, LIG take the belts back, but they chose to keep them on dangerous takers. And they didn't even do a double team move, you know, they kinda they did the whole a movie you'd expect you know, over in the West, you know, the blind tag spot and uh so uh, exactly, you know, taking one take keeping one guy at bay while I think it was Yoshihashi who took it. He took the uh, Black Mephisto from from Taiji, so it wasn't even a tag team move finish, it was just a singular finisher. Yeah, I felt at times like I think I'll be honest. I, I'm I'm not a fan of triple threat tag matches or like like fourteen tag matches. I just like my tag matches straight up. I'm Teddy Long. I'm all about straight up tag match player, um, and I just felt like the, the the they don't do these very often. And in the past, when they've done them, it always falls into the same kind of issue, which happens with a lot of triple threats. It just gets a bit messy. The the communication between teams can get a little bit all over um, having that extra team. Um, but, you know, thank God Yoshihashi ate it. <laughs> also, afterwards, uh, he's on the outside and just Naito just casually walks past him and just smacks him, like, for losing. And uh, Gold just gets up and just starts punching him as if he's a bugger off, that's my boy. Don't you hit him. Uh, the way he just Goto just got up and started hitting Naito, you'd think it wasn't planned. He just got up and just decided to start hitting Naito. It's like, don't you ever talk to me or my son ever again. It's just, it was, it, it, it was, it was. It was I, I go, I don't, I wouldn't say it, I hated it. It was just, it, it was a bit all over for me. Overall, three teams that that do bring it. Um, you know, as much as I take the piss at Yoshihashi, he has proven in the last year or so especially in tag situations. He brings the fire. He just sadly usually eats it as well. <laughs> he does, yeah. I mean, that was a fun match. And it, it led us on to, um, really, to me, what was the match of the night? 
Robbie Eagles and Hiromu Takahashi for Mr. Belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, I was really hoping for big things for like Robbie in this match because I was convinced he was going to lose to kind of present it as if Hiromu was kind of looking past him in a way, like talking to the belt, not to him. And so you think, well, at least don't at least make Robbie look strong like during the match. And, you know, they went full pelt, you know, again, like Kuromu's just back, but he still went hell for leather, you know, and he had to use Time Bomb too, we should mention, and he's matched with Doki to put him away, and Doki's not somebody you think you'd pull out Time Bomb too for. And then fighting Robbie in this match, and Robbie played it smart, because it seems like Robbie's kind of, you know, gotten better as we've watched him, you know, they've really made the Ron Miller special, like a move to be feared. As like a deadly submission whenever he locks that in because he was going after the legs of Hiromu during this match and let's just say I did not expect this to go the way it did yeah I never expected to see Hiromu tap out and I think at some point like this is the first time Hiromu's been tapped out I think since like Ishimori done it to him so it's been a long time um, even if you take into account the time he was injured like this this match was outstanding uh the build-up to it as well got me excited. Like the, the hilarity of like Hiromu always kind of constantly stalking Robbie in the backstage comments, offering him Tim Tams to get a chance to speak to Mister Belt. <laughs> and you know, you, they kind of played on the English commentary that you know Hiromu was kind of like grabbing at the ref and he didn't want to give up. But then the fact that he's just back from being off the sh- being on the shelf, and he doesn't want to go back again. Doesn't want to get another injury if he stays in this hole too much longer. And so he's almost reluctantly, but he had to tap because. You know, the whole thing of living the fight the other day, like, you thought, if I don't tap out here, I might get injured again. And you see him on the outside, kind of just gutted and, like, defeated. And then it makes you think, where is he going to go get, go from here? I thought he was going to go into that tag feud that I mentioned before. But then uh, he brought Desperado and think, well, the juniors are a bit occupied. But when they actually going to do this junior tag feud? Because, you know, they got the G1 coming up and the juniors kind of take a back seat on that. And I'm hoping with G1 they don't, they do what they did last year and forego bloody tag previews to the next night on the start of the show because I don't have time to be messing about. Just give me the matches for this night. I'll watch. I don't want to see a preview. I'll see them when I see them. Just stop giving me these tag previews. Yeah, this this is a big thing for me is that I'm hoping that they, they learn that and like last year, I just want my, my my nights to be straight up block matches. No no previews, no mixing the match now. Just, as Batista would say, give me what I want. <laughs> yeah, so who knows when this happens? You know, uh, like the like you said, the junior division is quite small, and uh, Ishimori and Fantasma are going to be taking a step back because uh, they're going over to the US, as we previously mentioned. So it's probably mainly going to be a flying tiger versus Suzuki Kun, with maybe Bushi and Hiromi kind of in the background. Aye, that's it's, uh, it. It was definitely, definitely a good match, and. You, you, I've mentioned about give me what I want. The fifth match of the night was definitely not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I said I didn't want it to win. I always want a shingle match. I love shingle. I, I don't know if you've seen the little, the little meme going about or what. It's it's like it's shingle's rating for his matches on Grapple App, and like he's got like three matches that are like pretty much averaging just shy of five five out of five. It's like Osprey and that, and then it's like Evo. It's like Nice average match rating you've got there. It'd be a shame if someone was to bring it down. <laughs> this he, match has been slated. <laughs> it's amazing that this is like, like, he had to go isolate, this being Shingo, had to go isolate for COVID 
and then his first match, like, comes back in his main event for the world title. And, uh, you know, those who might, who watch the English commentary will see this. I don't know if you were watching the English version or the Japanese version, but in the English commentary, you had Chris Jotton throwing out a wee sly joke here, saying, uh, there are some people who haven't wrestled in four months who think they're the world champion. There are some people who haven't wrestled in seven years who still think they're the best in the world. But Shingo Takagi is undoubtedly both because he is the IWGP world champion. Love, I love that from Chris. Like, I watched this with the English commentary, and like, this was a match that it, it was there because it had to. I, I did hear a very interesting sort of rumor in the background, which, if if this rumor is true, I want to find I want to find Dick Togo and I want to kick him in the balls myself, because apparently Dick Togo has been involved in the booking for New Japan since he joined. Apparently, that's part of the reason he's brought in to kind of help Gedo out, and. Dick Togo apparently pitched for Evil to win the belt and then Shingo to quickly regain it before Wrestle Kingdom. Well, I'm glad they didn't go for that because that sounds god fucking awful. Exactly. We we done it last year when he done it to Naito. It was fucking awful. <laughs> Why would they think it's going to work again? If anything, I've I, we can listen to previous episodes of this and you'll hear me try and defend Evil at points because I did used to enjoy Evil. Um, I felt sometimes his singles matches could actually be pretty decent, um, but that's because he was a different character. Um, now that Evil is literally being evil, he is making it not fun to watch him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just he, he's got that thing. I just want him to go away, just go away, Evil. Uh, I, like I didn't think it was smart to debut a new faction right be- the night before he was the title match because you know maybe the hope was that this new faction would help him win it if Dick Togo's plan went ahead. But then he had Jingle basically, he had Jingle basically take them out by himself briefly, because he uh, he took out uh, like the kids trying to attack the uh, Abbey's son, and Jingle tried to make sure he didn't get knocked over. So at one point he, he told Abbey to move. He sits Togo and Evil down the, the table, and then shoves uh, Sho and Yujiro into the barricade, knocking them all over. And then they all get sent to the back. I love that. I was like, that is beautiful, beautiful karma. And someone used it as a meme where it's like, all you can see in that picture is Shingo's head looking very excited as he's shoving the two of them into the barricade. And it's like, e- Evil and Dick Togo sitting there. It's like, work, family, show, show and Yujiro, bills, working life. <laughs> and, then, and then Shingo, me watching the G1. <laughs> it's like, and then I love like they all get sent there back and they don't want to go. And then you got, uh, Fred just grabs the the ring hammer, like and goes to ring the threatens to ring the bell, like I'll disqualify him. I'll t- I, I swear to you, I will. I'll do it. I got off now. And then <laughs> what was more annoying it was like they fucking came back anyway because they started having a decent match. You know, there was a really wicked sounding thud when uh, Evil got caught with the pumping bomber. And then the fuckers came back anyway. They took out the ref again, like a poor Red Shoes. And then I was watching that and I was starting to think, how much can Lig watch? I know they like to you know let guys do stuff on their own, but how much can you take before they actually come out? And then eventually, Bushy and Naito and Sanad all came out. So it's nice to see that. Wait, nice to finally know what the limits are before Lig will get involved. Yeah, I was actually really glad that like they finally came out, and I was like, you know, this is this kind of reminds me of what happened. Funnily enough, at Summer Struggle last year at the Jingo Stadium one with Naito, where eventually they had enough, and they were like, no, nah, no, nah, fuck this shit, we're coming out to help. Um, uh-huh. What, what annoys me this whole House of Torture is I like Yujiro, I actually find him quite entertaining and quite funny 
despite the fact that he's not always the best, he's he always at least gives a bash in that. And I just feel that they've like forced this sort of um, sub thing in out of nowhere. It's like, so we're, we know you like factions. How about a sub faction? A faction within your faction. I'm like, not this one. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I, like this group, like show show your own evil when the sixth man belts, even though they've the profile those belts is raised. That's I think like that's the that's the limit. I want to see of evil in a title match. You know, show maybe bringing the junior belt back to the Bullet Club. Fair if I'm all for that, but I don't want to see evil going after the world title again. Like just no. Like and also they pointed out that like if Gado and uh, Dogen had to isolate, it would have been them versus Rapongi in the final night of. So I'm wondering if maybe the plan was to do the big reveal of House of Torture there, and then they, when when they realised that Togo would be able to be at uh, MetLife, they thought, oh, fine, well, fine, fine, we'll do the match there, and then we'll do the big reveal. Because you got to think maybe then they don't want to do maybe some tag match like Evil and like uh, single maybe t- team with Bushi against like Show and Evil or something like that as part of the build to the show, but also the plans probably had to change. Yeah, that's it. I feel like obviously Shingo getting positive for um, Corona. And funny enough, you know, Will Ospreay's also recently had COVID as well. So I'm like, th- there is something really fucking cursed about this about this new belt that I'm mm-hmm. liking. Um, but yeah, like it's it's definitely had a huge impact on how they've done reveals. And I think it, you're right. I think it goes into how they've done that that sudden change. But I mean, this match went on for thirty minutes, and. I, I I love Shingo. I absolutely love him bits. But even he could not get a fantastic match out of Evil. And the reason it's kind of really dawned on me over the last couple of months is Evil works very good in tag matches because he has someone there that can usually plug in his gaps. That's why he worked so well with Sonada. But the two things that really ruin it for him is too many shenanigans. Like Having them once in a while is fine, is fine but every single evil match it's not is there going to be shenanigans it's when is there going to be shenanigans mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm just happy the saw center didn't have single lose the belt here because you know that would have been nobody so far the either gp world heavyweight belt has gotten to their sick through a second successful defense and like you need singles the guy you need to carry that belt to wrestle kingdom uh no matter what anybody might say like he's the guy for that i think Aye, definitely. So, I mean, it, like, at the end of the day, though, we did, we got something that poor fucking Naito never got. We finally got the LIJ roll call at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, Although, maybe it's because they were tired from their matches earlier, or maybe because they lost, but it's just me that thought, Hiromu and Naito especially, they look like they do not want to fucking be there. Oh, yeah, like, I feel Naito was kind of right, but I was like, the, well, the fact that like, Hiromu didn't even come out, it's like yeah. it was it was Bushi Sanada night. I was like, Who the fuck is Hiromu? And eventually he comes out and he's, he's he does have that look as if to say, Look, just because you've got a fucking belt, and I've no. Right, lads, I have to walk back all about all the way back doing this fucking wrap my legs open. I had to tap out earlier on. I fucking I had an ice on my knee earlier, like, oh you should go out there and be the guys are fuck's sake. It's like, can I not just go fucking him? No no, no no, roll call lad. But he's uh, it doesn't matter that he's the only one with a belt. Tough shit. You gotta do it. Snada's been in this situation before. Go out. Yeah. Because I thought at least they'd have a couple of members of LIG with the belt because like, that seems to happen more often than not that LIG held, holds a lot of gold. But you know that tonight was not the case. It was just single standing tall with a title. 
I, I, I do like the way I summed it up in my notes, which was Shingo batters evil, get it fucking ruined the house of torture. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that kind of caps off the, the MetLife Dome. Um, we've got a couple other things to cover. Um, I'll do, we'll, we'll do the first thing, which I think we're I think we're best that we're going to probably do like a proper preview of the G1. I think we're going to try and record something next week to get out as a little bit of a quick thing. Yeah. Um, but we'll do a quick run through of the entrance for the G1. Um, just to kind of cap off the, the blocks and we'll do a little recap of what's going on next in the USA and a couple of other big announcements. So I'll start out with our A block. We have Kota Ibushi has been announced. Tomohiro Ishii. Yano. Shingo. Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., Okan, uh, Kenta, <laughs> uh, Tangaloa, and Yujiro. That's your block A. What was your thoughts on that when you first saw that block, Scott? I think I think I'd seen them being shared around like the uh, the block before they got announced on the show. So yeah, like looking at this, you know, there's a a lot of strong talent here, and then you know Yujiro and Great Okan are kind of ones I'm like, really? Like Great Okan, yeah, they're kind of pushing out, you know, I don't, I still don't think it's working for me. Yujiro, uh, like after last year's performance well, like he only won one match, and that's because he used his cane to help him win. So I don't know how he gets in there. Uh, but Tangelo is the most surprising to me, like, he's a G1 debut, and uh, I'm not against seeing him in it. Uh, that's, I mean, overall, looking at that block, I do think there is going to be some absolutely spectacular matches within it. Um, Kenta, I think, is going to be one of my kind of central points for that block. I feel we've not seen enough of him lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll definitely we'll kind of, we'll, we're going to do a proper show next week. Nice little sort of a wee mini 30, 45 minutes. We're going to discuss all the kind of block matches, all the stats, run through some really, really cool things. And um, B block. We have Tanahashi, we have Okada, which we did mention earlier, that is going to be something fucking wonderful. Um, we've got Goto, uh, we've got that boy that I didn't quite like, what's it, uh, that Yoshihashi, that's it. Hmm. Uh, we have we have my boy, Sanada, come on man, date this year. We have Taichi, Tamatonga making a return to the G1, uh, clearly, clearly had enough of just being a tag team wrestler. Uh, we have Evil, who, when I'm looking at the preview pictures, really, what a fucking awful picture they use from it. It doesn't look like he's got eyebrows. It's quite fucking scary. <laughs> uh, we have Jeff Cobb rocking the uh, the kind of the moustached look. Uh, what a hunk. And we have we have uh, Chase Owens. Who the fucking thought he'd be in there? But there we go. <laughs> that's, the, that's the B block. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, actually I could kind of feel was probably going to be included again. Given he is, you know, it'd be weird to have two members of the Never Six Pan Champs and not have the third one in there. But then again, if he wasn't included, I wouldn't have lost any sleep over it. Evil, you know, I, I guess, uh, fine. Yeah, Chase Owens, you know, I'm interested to see what he does if he actually gets that many wins in this block and who he might get them over. Because uh, there was, I heard rumours that they were all thinking of him when the uh, the KOPW title in the first place was to try and, you know, give a bit of a push to eventually include him in the G1. So, you know, we'll, let's see if that pays off. I know he's confusing to a lot of people. But uh, Tamatonga coming back, I think Tamatonga as a singles wrestler is very underrated, I think, because he's so good alongside his brother in the tag team. 
that you know people forget how good he is as a singles wrestler. So getting to see him mix up with uh, Okada and Sonata and those guys, I think there's going to be some hell matches. Him v Jeff Cobb, I can't wait for. Ah, uh, definitely. That's that's it to me. I I'm going to take I'm going to take this next week to consider what I think is going to be the potential best matches. Uh, me being an absolute nerd with this sort of shit, I'm going to end up probably looking over everyone's G1 history and coming back with some sort of weird, absolute out there predictions. But you know that's that's where the blocks are sitting for the G1. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm happy it's there. You know it's it's not the best blocks I could hope for, but you know we have to be reasonable with all the travel restrictions and everything that are still around. Yeah, I think they like also I said before I think Jay's still in the uh, the US, so that's why he's not in it. Suzuki's in the US, so we got lost two big players right there. Because uh, I was like, I love Jay. I really wanted him to win last year, but that wasn't to be. And yeah, also the rumors of oh, everybody thought, oh, Daniel Bryan wants to work in New Japan, maybe he'll be in it. Or well, CM Punk said if Troy Gann wants me to wrestle the G1, I will. Would CM Punk be in it? And then obviously, you know, to go from thinking those guys will be in it to seeing, you know, Yujiro and Yoshihashi and Great Okan. Maybe I can see why some people would be disappointed, but you know, maybe we'll, maybe they'll surprise us. There could be some dark horses in there, and it is, it is lovely of New Japan to announce the match lineups for each date as we were recording. So it gives us a week to, like you said, look over the matches for a preview. Yeah, that's uh, like they've, they've they've given us no shortage of stuff, and we we do feel that we can't justify just cramming the G1 into the tail end of a show. We really need to give it its own show. So that's why this is going to be a two-show month for us. Um, the last bits that we've got to cover is um, one particular set of the New Japan Strong t- tapings they've mentioned uh, coming up is Autumn Attack, which is going to be recorded over a weekend in Dallas um, at Fort Worth in Texas. This, they've, I, I don't know about how you feel, Scott, but I, look, I looked at like some of the matches announced and the talent involved, and I'm like, they are really fucking going all out for these tapings for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, as uh, you got, you know, Suzuki featured on both nights as well. Uh, Leo Rush, uh, there's a eight man tag I look forward to. I'm looking forward to Juice Robinson, Leo Rush, Clark Collins, and TJP, the Hikaleo, Chris Bay, ELP, and Ishimura. That sounds awesome. I mean, like Fred Rosser versus Minoru Suzuki, and that's just that's just one of the nights. And then you look at the, the second night, uh, I believe Leo Rush is going to fight Ishimori. I mean, yes, please. Aye, and we've got a reunion. Suzuki and Archer are back together and they're t- taking on Tom Waller and Royce Isaacs. That's mm. going to be a barnstormer. Yeah. Uh, so go back to that match in a second, but uh, Daniel Garcia, someone we've seen on AEW and AEW Rampage, is going to fight Jay White on night two as well. Garcia. What a rise he is having right now. He is really, it's almost like he's came in out of nowhere in AEW mm-hmm. and he has just made a mark instantly and speaking of AEW we, we do have to mention about Suzuki mm-hmm. the absolute pop when he when Moxley I, I'm, I'm on Central with, with Scott this week and you're going to hear me fucking going on about this for probably a good five minutes of Central about that incredible reaction of Suzuki coming out for Moxley uh, all out yeah yeah uh- so I know you guys would have talked about it on Central already, but I, was, I thought it was best we talk about it here because I was like, is it all feel from New Japan? But yeah, the Kojima match I really enjoyed, you know, except being on second because, you know, people could guess see where it was going to go, but it was still a hell of a, a match. I seen two guys just try and bat each other. And then I remember 
like I, I'd heard about some of the other people that showed up. I'd gotten that kind of spoiled already, but I genuinely didn't know Suzuki was going to be there. And so I heard the music. I thought, I've heard that music in a while, but I know I don't know who it's from. And then saw the King up on the thing, and I just recognised the time drum. Like, no fucking way. And then out comes Suzuki, and then something that has been far, 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 far too long. Uh, hearing an entire arena singing Kazani Nare just as it's supposed to be. Like that 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 was incredible. And the fact that on the back of it, um the the original artist for Kazani Nare has mentioned that this is now cracked into like the top thirty in the iTunes chart in America. The song's been out for like twenty six years. <laughs> that is mental. But yeah, I mean like hearing JR trying to talk and everyone's just going Kazi Nina, it's like yeah, just just stop. They <laughs> no no one can hear you right now. Yeah. And and it, it, it well and truly like the, the forbidden door has well and truly like it just seems to be getting battered more and more open every time. Mm-hmm. If we can get an archer Suzuki reunion, not just in New Japan, but maybe on a W one we you know, Kingston and Moxley be Archer and Suzuki, I mean just let them go mental with them beat them beat each other senseless. That's it. I'm hoping this whole deal with Suzuki um, and Moxley isn't just a one-time deal for Suzuki. I'm hoping that they're maybe going to be allowed to get one for a few shows. Um, I just think that it's money. It's, I mean, that that was like the first massive pop of all out. Mm. And, and, you know, bringing in someone like Suzuki, getting casual people who have never watched New Japan, seeing Suzuki for the first time, they'll be like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh my god, he's fucking scary. Yeah, like, just like, I've never seen this guy before. He's getting punched in the face and laughing about it. Like, good lord, who is this man? That's it. I mean, like, yeah, they've they've really stacked up. And from what I've heard, like, there's, there's they are really going to be going all out with these tapings in the coming months. They're going to be pushing for big names. So, you know, they're, they're just spoiling us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely spoiling us. So, yeah, uh, uh, so, you know, I know we're going to have a lot to cover like in October when we cover you know, the G1. I think we're going to split everything up because I think we're going to need to cover everything in America and it's only because I'm sure obviously we've got the tapings kind of stuff coming out from the tapings they did in August and then we're going to have the September tapings spilling into October. So we may have to split them into two just because there's no way we can cover everything that's probably going to happen at these tapings and the G1. So we may have to buddy, do another two shows in October. Yeah, I think that'll be the best way for us to do it, you know, and it gives the people what they want. It gives them more New Japan content for for us to discuss. Mm-hmm. And it leads me into the last bit because, you know, they, they're they announcing like in the end of the year already. I mean, we're only in September. We're not, we're not even started the G1 yet, but we have a confirmation that the best of Super Juniors and World Tag League will be happening again simultaneously in November and December. I think that was uh, a reasonable thing to assume would happen, given that the G1 was once again in the fall that this is going to happen. I don't think, I've, I have a strong feeling that come 2022 Super Juniors, that will hopefully be back uh, close enough to where it usually is. And also the World Tag will still remain end of the year. But, you know, I, I didn't mind it last year. I know also some go find certain tournaments better, if, harder to fall than others. But, you know, I didn't mind it, you know, we gave us a hell of a match to talk about with Odessa Barado versus Hiromu, so I don't uh, I don't totally mind it. I'm wondering, are they going to be bastards and try and schedule the Super J Cup around the same time again and give us three tournaments in the space of a month? Because it was fun to talk about, but a bastard to keep up with. I know, it's, it's given me the fear, and 
I mean, one one thing that I've I've not quite mentioned about, but with the way the G one's been looking at, some people put through the idea. I don't know how you feel about this. If you've heard people mention this, but some people thought instead of doing two like blocks in Japan for the G one this year, they should have done one block in Japan and one in America, and make the finals on the first night of the three night Wrestle Kingdom. That would be interesting. Yeah, like because it'd be interesting. How how would you do that? The, the two block winners facing off. I don't know if uh, Wrestle Kingdom is a week you want to go. Like leave people waiting that long. But you know, I don't. I wouldn't mind it. Uh, you know, I'm surprised that they didn't like that that's been kept one block whereas other tournaments like Tag League and Super, uh, Super Juniors are being kept to one block for now because I'm wondering if by like the end of the year well, they're gonna, are they going to be able to bring anybody over for uh, World Tag League are they going to you know, like, get the Good Brothers over because we all thought they're going to come over last year and they didn't but surely they have to come over this year after everything they've been teasing with uh, G.O.D. That's it. I mean, there's there's so many like they've ta- they've set up a lot of these angles for us, and I'm very excited about them. But at the same time, I'm now thinking, shit, it's a G1. I don't think we're going to get any payoff in some of these angles for a couple of months. <laughs> so I keep you waiting, like, well, we're going to keep you waiting on these. But in, but in the meantime, here's a month worth month's worth of match of the year candidates. Right. Good old Gado loves to blue balls, proper blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, Bal- that's our <laughs> balls bluer than bloody Master Watto's gear. <laughs> Indeed, and you know, that that caps us. I mean, the fact that this is like a show that, like, usually we're a lot longer gap between this and, well, we're almost fucking two hours. It's been a, a ram packed, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, month and a bit. So, God help us before the end of the year. This is going to be absolutely nuts. But, you know, we have, we have delivered all the news that we can think of from the world of New Japan, there is just that much it is. it feels impossible to keep up on, on top of at times but you will hear from us again in the coming week with our G1 special and then we will be brainstorming how the hell we're going to split <laughs> the next month up because you know Gado likes to make us book our shows the same way he bloody does it it seems <laughs> oh, yeah. but um, as just as I said earlier, please if you want to listen to the back catalogue Get fired into there. Get listening to Saturday Draft Live. Got our top feature shows coming. Uh, Central have already been recorded by that point, so I'll be I'll be properly bringing this up in Central because mm-hmm. you know I'm all about promoting this. We are we are the A show. We bring in <laughs> that we bring in that proper content that people just don't appreciate enough. Yeah, but it has been a pleasure again, Scott. Thank you for being on. Thank you for letting me take the host again. No problem, Grant. I think you did a hell of a job. Uh, you had a lot of notes to make up, given what's happened the last few weeks. But, you know, any opportunity to uh, talk to New Japan was a good deal. So I don't mind it being a, a two-month, doing a couple of uh, two-show months, you know, if we have to fit it all in. You know, people say, I don't think we record enough, you know, unlike some other shows, you know, we're about quality, not quantity. Exactly. And that's it. So next week we will be back and I will be putting it out into the group on Twitter, on, on Twitter and everything, I will be asking for G1 predictions from people. I'm actually looking forward to asking people that have no idea about New Japan who their prediction for the G1 winner will be. It could be quite hilarious. But for now, thank you for listening and good night, everybody. Uh...
Who controls the British crown? Who keeps the metric system down? We do. We do. Who leaves Atlantis off the maps? Who keeps the Martians under wraps? We do. We do. Who holds back the electric car? Who makes the Gutenberg a star? Escape fish of their sight. Who rigged every Oscar night? We 